But the scripture we're going to look at really gets to the core of Christianity. Um, what Christianity is all about at the end of the day. You know, we can talk about theology, we can talk about doctrine, we can talk about biblical interpretation. We can disagree about this stuff all day long, and we can, we can argue till we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, Jesus didn't say that people would know who we are because we got all the doctrine right. He didn't say that people will know that we are his followers because we got all of our theology right, that we got all of our biblical interpretation right. Jesus said, they will know you for your love for one another. At the end of the day, Christianity, Christian practice, Christian living, everything that we are, everything that we hope to be, everything that we are called to be, is grounded in relationships. Two relationships. Relationship to God, relationship to everybody else. If y'all are a regular attender or a member at Bemis, y'all know that I, as frequently as I possibly can, I remind you what Jesus Christ told us were the two greatest commandments. Y'all should all be able to repeat that by heart right now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm very, very proud of most of you. That's great. Because that's what it's about. At the end of the day, it's all about our relationships, man. Our relationship with our Creator, our relationship with people, with one another, with believers, with non-believers, with our families, with our acquaintances, with our friends, everybody. And that's what this particular scripture speaks to uh, that we're going to go through this morning. And it's Philippians um, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Starting in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the word of God for the people of God. Paul is the author of this, of this particular letter, as he is the author of, or considered to be the author of, of, a, of a great number of, new, of uh, letters and epistles that we find in the New Testament. And just as Jesus broke down all of the commandments into two basically very easily understood commandments, love God and love everybody else, love your neighbor, Paul does the exact same thing. You can read, you can read where he, he pretty much repeats verbatim those same words uh, in, in numerous places in his letters. And he loves to talk about relationships because it's so primary. It's so primary. It is, it is the primary thing. That's what we've got here. Taking a look at this, taking a look at the scripture today out of Philippians, he's basically writing this church just for a little bit of background. He's ba this is this is basically this, the whole book of Philippians is basically just a letter of encouragement, uh, encouraging the church at Philippi to, uh, to 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 
maintain what they're doing, uh, to continue growing in their likeness to Christ, to continue their commitment to their discipleship, and to continue their commitment to one another. That's what this is about, their relationships with one another, specifically. A number of things kind of stick out here. First of all, you know, when I read these scriptures, and Paul utilizes Jesus, you know, that's all about Jesus. 6 through 11 is all about Christ, if you didn't notice that, but he starts it off kind of unique there. Um, go back to, yeah, are you there already? Good. This is how he starts it off. He says, in your relationships with one another, that's y'all, that's y'all, that's me, that's us, that's the church. In your relationships to one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes along, 6 through 11, basically tell us about the mindset of Christ, who Christ was, what he did, how he thought, how he acted, how he moved throughout the world. This is your example in your relationships to one another. When you're dealing with each other, when you're working with each other, when you're mad at each other, have the same mindset as is as was in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us all about all about who Jesus is, what he looks like. You know, there's one thing that just sticks out to me that just jumps off the pages to me when I read these words in this in these scriptures. One one major word comes to mind, one aspect, one virtue that really is at the heart of these loving relationships that Paul is encouraging us towards. That word is humility. Verses 6 through 11 are absolutely drenched in the humility of Christ. Absolutely just overflowing with examples of the, of the self-sacrificial nature of Jesus. Humility is not a popular virtue in our culture. It's not, it's not cool to be humble. It's cool to be selfish. It's cool to be outspoken. Those types of things. But real genuine humility isn't popular in our culture. Jesus gives us the absolute opposite example. Verses 6 through 11 are also very interesting. If you happen to be in uh, our Bible study this past Wednesday, you'll, you'll recognize this. Uh, but verses 6 through 11 are interesting because more than likely they are a hymn. If you happen to have a, uh, a, uh, a printed Bible with you, or if you want to look at the, the, uh, the, by the pew Bible that's in front of you, you're going to notice something about verses 6 through 11. You're going to notice that in comparison to the surrounding scriptures, verses 6 through 11 are kind of indented. Y'all see that in your Bibles? Yeah, you guys who were here Wednesday, y'all are shaking your head like y'all know something secret because y'all do. So the reason that thing is indented like that, the reason that thing is set off like that is because, yeah, this is, this, this is standing out as something. It's either telling us it's a poem or it's a prayer or it's a hymn or it's a stanza of some sort. And that's exactly what the case is here in, uh, in verses 6 through 11. More than likely what you're looking at there is a, is a hymn that was very popular in the early church. So Paul is just kind of quoting these words from this hymn. It'd be kind of the equivalent of somebody quoting to us the words of amazing grace, Jesus loves me, whatever. Paul is directly quoting this hymn because it would have been something that was familiar to the people who were listening or the people who were reading this at the time. He uses those verses, that hymn, to instruct them on how we mirror, how we reflect the mindset of Christ with one another and our relationships with one another. Look at verses 6 through 8. Who 
Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. There's your perfect example of humility right there. God in human form actually walking the earth. God in human form actually walking the earth. He did not consider his divinity something to be used to his own advantage. And you see that humility throughout the life of Christ. Not just at the end, not just, not just at the cross, but you see it everywhere. The humility that is absolutely dripping off of him. Verses 6 and 7 again tell us that he didn't consider that equality to be something to be used for his advantage. He took on that human form, fully God, fully human. He didn't come to us just as that, though. He came to be a servant. He came to be a humble servant, a humble servant, so humble that he submitted his life. He submitted himself to the most humiliating, the most de degrading, the most insulting form of death that there was at the time. That was death on the cross. Of course, we know that. Why did he do that? For us, self-sacrificial love, humble, humble love so that we might be reconciled, so that we might be justified, so that we might be in a right relationship with Christ. Y'all think about that in the upcoming week. Think about how Paul describes Jesus here in these, in these letters, in these verses 6 through 11. And again, I, I realize that he's quoting directly from a hymn. There's a reason he's doing that, though. He's really trying to drive, the, drive this home to the original hearers, to the original readers. Meditate on 6 through 11 throughout this upcoming week. Remember where we started, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, be in the same mind of Christ Jesus. Well, what is the same mind of Christ Jesus? Paul lays it out there for us. Absorb those words. Absorb that and see how that relates to your own life. Am I even remotely close to something like that in my relationships with other people? Am I humble? Am I self-sacrificial? Verses 9 through 11. Throw that up there real quick. Therefore God exalted him to the, to the highest place. He gave him the name that's above all names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know that, I know that makes Kevin Smith want to jump up and do some, do some dancing, doesn't it, Kevin? Jesus is who he says he is. And that's what verses 9 through 11 are all about. Jesus is who he says he is. This is this, these are all about the truth of Christianity. Basically, these last couple of verses tell us that, uh, that, uh, that Christ is who the church is all he is, is what is who the church has always said he is, that this is the truth of Christianity. It's the truth that we proclaim to, to an unbelieving world, not because we're arrogant, but because we care, not because we have a better, we're better than you type attitude, but because we are concerned, because we love as Jesus loved. And we want other people to know the same Christ that we know. Let me give you a couple. I'm gonna wrap up here pretty pretty quickly. But let me give you let me give you a couple um, thoughts about about this idea of relationships. That looks really easy. That looks really nice on paper. Looks really nice in scripture. It's a whole heck of a lot harder to actually live out. And I understand that. I get that. I struggle with the same things in relationships that you guys do. At the same time, we know that Christ calls His church to you. To be unified. To be unified in what? To be unified in our, in our love for God, love for neighbor. To be unified in our purpose. To be unified in our mission. I hope you guys, 
Nicodemus understand at this point what our purpose and our mission is? Very simple. To make disciples. That we're unified in these things. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Relationships are messy. Relationships are not easy. We are called to be unified. That doesn't mean that we are going to be uniform. We're not always going to agree on things. We are going to have differences of opinion. We are going to hurt one another, whether it's intentional or whether it's unintentional. Relationships in the Bible were messy. Relationships in the New Testament church, the first church, the original church, first century church, were messy. And you can read about that in the New Testament. Paul didn't get along with everybody, and that's, and that's putting it mildly. These guys fought. These, these guys and these women fought. They had disagreements. They got mad at each other. They got hurt by one another. Yet they stayed unified. They didn't, move, they didn't agree on everything. They didn't agree on doctrine. There's examples of that. They stayed unified. Not uniformed. Big difference, but they stayed unified. That's how we grow in our love, in our care, in our empathy for one another. It's easy. Me and somebody else had a similar conversation this morning. It's easy to be a Christian when things are going right. It's easy to be a Christian when, when people are, act, are acting and behaving the way that we think they should act and behave. It's easy to be a Christian when things are just going smooth sailing. It's a whole different story. It's a whole different ballgame when people rub us the wrong way, especially if they are other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a whole different story when people do something that we don't like. It's a whole different story. Even when they hurt us. Our relationships are different in the human world. In the secular world, excuse me. They're different because we maintain that unity. It's easy to walk away from relationships. Simple. People do it all the time. People get their feelings hurt. They get mad. Somebody rubs them the wrong way. Well, forget it. I'm done with it. What do we call that? We call that cancel culture today. That's not what Christian relationships look like. We wade through the messiness. We wade through the hardships. We maintain that love for one another. That commitment. Remember I told you guys one time, biblical love is all about commitment. Furious commitment. That's the kind of relationships Paul was talking about here. What does this have to do with Palm Sunday, Pastor? I'm going to go back to the entrance of Christ into Jerusalem. I'm going to trust that most of y'all know this story, so I don't have to rehash it too much. <clears throat> but Easter week basically begins. We, we celebrate Easter through the story, or begin celebrating the Easter week, Holy Week through the story of Palm Sunday. Basically, Jesus and his disciples are entering into the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Jesus comes in. He comes in. I'm not, again, you can find these in his stories in the Gospels. He comes in riding a donkey, right? Y'all remember this? And people are celebrating. They're, 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 they're hooting and hollering and cheering and all that stuff. They're throwing palms down, his, down in his path and all that. And uh, it's a great scene. Unfortunately, as I mentioned in my prayer at the beginning of the service, this same crowd turned their, turns their backs on them on Friday. Nonetheless, Jesus shows such a great deal of humility in this story of Palm Sunday and his relationships with, with these people. 
of, the, of, the, of that time and his relationship, you can definitely apply it to his relationship with us now. He rides in on a donkey. He's kind of parodying what a king would have looked like running into town in that culture. A king at the time would have been coming into town on a, on a stallion, right? Dressed in the finest gold, dressed in the finest clothing. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is the king of humility, folks. He rides in. <laughs> I want to say the word so bad, but I won't do it. He rides in on a donkey. Humble. Humility. Now here's the other thing about Christ. We know that the sacrifice of Christ, his death on the cross, is the ultimate example of sacrificial love. But get this. As these people are cheering him on, welcoming him, loving on him, woo-hoo, our king is here. Jesus knew those folks were about to turn their backs on him, including Peter, in just five days. He knew that was going to happen. Yet he came anyway. He came anyway. Sacrificially. 